This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. All right, joining me today is Blake Murphy, uh, who has uh, waxed lyrical again on The Athletic, and this time it's about OG Ananobi. Uh, Blake, everybody in Raptorland, or sorry, everybody in Raptors Republic uh, should uh, is thinking that an OG extension, whether it be this year or next year, is a no-brainer. Are we correct in that thinking? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you need to come up with a name for these regular segments. You've got, you guys have so much stuff right now on the video side you've got who's take you've got you know s had his stuff uh his like pregame stuff during the playoffs lucas with the Wii sports uh what's it what's the new one pardon the corruption yeah we we got to find a branding for this one if we're going to do it regularly although i guess there's no there's no reason to talk cap stuff during the season we'll find a way yeah we'll, we'll find a line anyway to explain the trade rules and everything but yeah so i mean the the thing with the og ananobi extension is it's all a matter of timing and I think that you're right. What you say about, you know, the Raptors Republic readership and Raptors Twitter. And I I think the Raptors themselves and OG's camp would tell you, this is an eventuality. It is going to happen at some point. It's the same, you know, it's similar to the discussion we had about Pascal Siakam when he was extension eligible last year. It's like, look, they've clearly invested in him. They clearly believe in him. They clearly want him around long-term, but there are arguments for doing it now and arguments for waiting until the following off season. And those arguments for Siakam situation were, um, you know, they were a little weaker because, you know, if you're Siakam, you're like, I want the max and I'm going to get the max now, or I'm going to get the max later. There's not a lot of difference in salary. So for him, it was pretty much strictly on the Raptors side of where do you balance flexibility and, and like sticking your flag in a guy and being like, you're our guy. With OG, because he's a sub-max player and because, you know, as good as he was and as much as we all love OG, he was one of the lower usage starters in the NBA this year in terms of offensive role. So if you're OG, you have a little bit of, you know, I have one more year to prove my worth and maybe grow into a 15-point-a-game guy and grow into a third option instead of a fifth option. So OG has a little bit more reason to wait than Pascal did. Uh, the Raptors are in a similar situation in terms of, do we do it now? Uh, what kind of discount would get us to do it now? Or do we just wait until he's a restricted free agent? And that way we maintain a little bit more flexibility. And we see how OG does, you know, using 17, 18% of offensive possessions and, and, you know, maybe growing into a number three, four role instead of being the fifth guy in every lineup. So, um, you know, we can get into some of the specifics of what the Raptors are looking at and what OG's looking at, but that's the kind of high level is there is certainly an argument to get a deal done now and an argument to wait on both sides. And the question is just, is there enough middle ground between those polls to get something done now? What's the argument of getting it done now from OG's perspective besides security? Because you would imagine that even, even, even if we extend him this year, we would probably have to pay him sort of what he would 
make next year anyway, because he's not an idiot. He's not going to take a lower deal. Like all the things you wrote in your article about low usage rate, you know, anticipated larger move in the offense. He's going to factor that into any number. So from OG's perspective, if the numbers are more or less the same, unless you're assuming they're not, uh, what, is, what are his motivations of getting this deal done this summer? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can understate uh, the value of that security, right? Like OG went through a tough sophomore year where he had a couple of like freak injuries and obviously he dealt with a lot off the court as well. Um, But, you know, it doesn't take a lot to look around the league at, you know, say uh, a Justice Winslow who signed a three-year 39 and then continued to have injury trouble. And it's a, it now looks like a very good thing. He locked up that 39 million. Now OG's injury tape is not nearly as long as Winslow's, but there is an element of let's lock down the guaranteed money while it's there. Um, you could also, if you're OG's camp, you know, maybe you can, maybe you have a, a little bit of negotiating leverage right now that, Hey, if we agree to this annual amount now, you know, that fourth year has to be a player option instead of a, a guarantee on the team side, or, you know, Hey, maybe we'll agree to this amount, but maybe to get that done, we need some all defense kickers where, OG can make five, 8% more if he continues on this all defense trajectories on. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of negotiation there. Now he could probably get some of those conditions in RFA too. It really comes down to his camp's comfort with waiting on that. And, and, you know, when Eric Kareen and I went through the mock negotiation at the athletic and Eric got to play the more fun side, the, the clutch sports agency side, you know, he basically said, what you're saying is like, what are the odds that OG doesn't increase his value this coming season and the odds are pretty low short of an injury so um you know there's certainly more incentive on the Raptors side to get something done but we've also been through this in recent years too with uh you know Jonas Valanciunas and Terrence Ross both signed rookie scale extensions that you know at first blush the Jonas one looked like maybe a, a slight overpay based on where the center market was trending at that time it ended up being a perfectly fair deal um and the Ross deal seemed a little bit undervalued for where wings were going so there is precedent for a guy to say hey you know what let me get the uh let me get the money while it's here and in order like to take that you know i'll add some flexibility on my side if you're og you're 23 um that that option you know if you can negotiate a player option after three years um or even a shorter term deal if you want but i think you know that three plus one if you think you have a better chance of securing that now than in restricted free agency, um, I think that's attractive because then it puts you back on the unrestricted market at 27, which is like the best age to hit unrestricted free agency to lock up a long-term deal. So um, yeah, I'm with you that there's less incentive for OG to get it done now, but there are certainly reasons you could craft if you're OG, especially if, you know, we don't know a lot about him as a person or, or, you know, what he might value but some people are risk averse right some people to some people 60 million dollars today versus the possibility for 80 million dollars a year from now some people are going to take that 60 million today yeah does the pandemic and the reduced cap factor into his equation uh, at all i think the reduced cap does i don't think the pandemic does just because like we're talking about an extension that would kick in in 2021 and even if you're pretty pessimistic about the way certain governments have handled uh, certain parts of the pandemic uh you know you look ahead to the 2021 season and how that projects ahead through 2023 say um you know i don't think that there's like a big concern on player side that revenue won't come back eventually uh, maybe the decrease in ratings 
worries a, an agency a little bit, but at the player level, I don't know. Uh, the bigger thing is if we project the cap to be going like this, as we were before, versus if we project the cap like this, you know, that maybe informs what OG's projection is for his restricted free agent market. So, you know, at the start of this year, he was maybe looking at, Hey, 2021, the cap's going to be 125 million. And, you know, if I'm asking for 15% of the cap, that's this. And now suddenly that looks like 109 million or even like 115 million. That is a fundamentally different number. If you're, if you look at these things in terms of percentage of the cap, instead of just a strict dollar amount. So um, definitely you, you'd expect a slight hit to OG's projected restricted free agent market. Having said that, the 2021 cap space landscape, as it projects right now, there are still going to be a lot of teams with money. So I don't, you know, that's a small factor for OG's camp, but I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's one that you accept five mil or less, year, uh, less a year now or anything like that. And, and in your article and even this conversation, we're kind of assuming that his usage rate increases, right? But when you look at the roster shifts that are likely to happen, you know, Siakam's still there, Lowry's still there, Fred's still there. All the main guys who dominate the ball are still there. How much do you expect his usage rate to actually increase? Because I still see him more of a, certainly a role player next season, a better role player, but, but the usage rate in itself, like I don't see it drastically increasing materially at least yeah it might not I, I mean look 14 and a half percent for a guy who's shown as much as og has um offensively at least from like a you know those glimpses of skill profile that he shows and being able to create his own bucket even a little bit uh i think from a longer term development perspective even if those possessions are a little safer with kyle fred and pascal uh even norm if norm's still around off the bench i think there's a good incentive to Similar to when Siakam uh, got to run point guard in the bench mob a little bit, or even Siakam, you know, when Siakam kind of took on the number one role in games Kawhi sat in 2018-2019, I think you can manage both trying to be a good team and in the back of your head if you're Nick Nurse or if you're, I mean, that could even extend to Kyle Lowry. Lowry's smart enough to orchestrate this stuff on the fly. Uh, I think you want to see, right? You want to give him those opportunities to grow a little bit. And you're not saying, hey, we're going to give OG 15 field goal attempts a game, but maybe you go into each game thinking, Hey, we want to run. We want OG to get an ISO, a post and a pick and roll opportunity at some point over the course of this game. And, you know, if it gets to the fourth quarter and, and it's a five point game, maybe you have to scrap that. Mm. Um, but throughout the course of the game, especially if you, uh, if you stagger like Lowry and Siakam say they're staggered. So, so, you know, there are some Lowry OG bench units, like maybe there's an opera. That's your opportunity uh, to get him a few more touches. And it didn't go particularly well with OG taking a larger usage role in bench units the Kawhi season. Um, but also that was like, that was probably the worst mm-hmm. meshing second unit the Raptors have had during like the Kyle Lowry era. So, um, you know, you can work your way around that. I think the bigger thing is just, it, it, and I would say, especially if you don't sign him to an extension, you kind of need to feed him those reps um, one, like I said, long-term, you want to develop him and get him that experience, but you also, you know, you're going to go into a negotiation of restricted free agency and OG's camp is going to be saying, we project this jump in usage rate in his age 24 season. And we think he can be this and do that. And if he's had another season playing the same offensive profile, you know, that's information you don't have. So, um, even just giving him those extra reps is obviously good developmentally, but it's also more information for you as you go into these negotiations. The, uh, the track record of 
guys with sub 20 usage rates getting a rookie scale extension um, unless you're a center. And I mean, even the center is mixed, but I, I included a chart in my back and forth with Eric Kareen. It's pretty mixed. It's, uh, you know, sometimes you get a Marcus Morris or uh, a TJ Warren who it clicks for. And sometimes, you know, Gary Harris maybe isn't the best example because he's been hurt and is pretty valuable defensively, but his offense didn't quite come around uh, the way they were maybe hoping. Michael Kidd Gilchrist ran into injury trouble and never kind of took that step. So um, these low usage guys are a little hard to project. There are as many success stories as there are guys who just never took that jump in value. So um, a lot of incentive to, to try to get OG a little more learning on the fly. And, uh, you know, it's always a Giannis talk here. Uh, and in, in your article, you mentioned uh, how the Raptors might go the route of LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard, what the Spurs did to get Aldridge. And uh, a similar play might be, m- might be done here as well. Yeah, so the reason for that is to get in the cap weeds a little bit. Um, if OG, if they don't come up with an extension, OG will be a restricted free agent next summer. And to prevent teams from doing something like we're going to go sign Giannis and then we're going to re-sign all our guys. We're going to re-sign Lowry and we're going to re-sign OG and we're going to re-sign Norm and everything like that. Free agents count on your books temporarily as what's called a cap hold. Mm -hmm. And it's basically the CBA projects what they think a guy's next contract might be worth. And there's an artificial hold. So um, in OG's case, he will be on the book if the Raptors want to retain his restricted free agent rights. And that gives them the right to match any offer sheet he signs with another team, uh, which they'll obviously want to do. OG is going to count on the books for 11.6 million. And if you're looking ahead to, and you look back to our conversation about how much can you pay for Ed Van Bleet and still have max room, you know, there's a good reason to do an OG extension now. But any reasonable OG extension is going to pay him more than 11.6 million in 2021. And if you do the extension, that cap hold is replaced by whatever that salary is. So if you come to an agreement with OG that pays him 15 million for 2021, you have just lost 3.4 million in cap space. Um, Now, you could try to do something like a wink, wink, handshake deal of, hey, we've agreed on this, but we're not going to sign it until later. Uh, But that's pretty risky in terms of injury and player development and other offers and stuff like that. So um, that's basically where the Raptors are at and where their incentive to wait comes in. Yes, you can maybe get him cheaper now than you'll be able to next summer, but every dollar above 11.6 million you pay him uh, on an extension now is $1 less in cap space you figure to have in 2021. And that's important for if you're going to chase Giannis. If you're going to ask Kawhi to take you back, if you're going to, uh, if the Sixers have another season like they do and Joel Embiid hits the trade market, like there are a lot of ways cap flexibility can come into play. And for a guy like OG Ananobi, who I think we all agree is a piece of the Raptors long-term future, um, you know, if you have to sacrifice four or 5 million in that flexibility to get a deal done now, maybe you're okay with that. But if you're looking at, you know, the higher end where OG's getting maybe 17, 18, 19 million a year, um, you know, not only should you maybe wait to make sure he's going to be worth that uh, as his offensive role grows, but also you're better off just waiting. And then if someone comes in with an RFA offer and it's 20 million, well, you can go and you can sign Giannis or you can sign whoever, then circle back and match, you know, get that deal done with, with, OG, you have to be careful about how you structure the timing and OG's camp has to play ball a little bit and be like, okay, we'll wait until you're done your other shopping. 
Um, but hope you hope is what you hope is that that relationship is strong enough that um, they don't take that personal and they understand that, hey, me waiting a week could allow me to play with Giannis and go for a title or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other small thing to keep in mind is that if OG, say OG gets signed to an extension and Joel Embiid hits the trade market or Giannis hits the trade market or Bradley Beal hits the trade market, whoever your trade target is for 2020, uh, 2021 for the Raptors. If OG signs a rookie scale extension, it's not as simple as OG is now a trade chip uh, in, you know, say, say Beal's the example, and you need to come up with 25 million in outgoing salary to get Bradley Beal to make the math work. OG does not count as um, his new salary on the extension. He also doesn't count for the last year of his rookie salary. It's this complicated thing known colloquially as the poison pill provision, where it's actually, it counts as one number for the Raptors and one number for the Wizards. And it gets really hard to make that cap math work unless the team you're trading with is way under the cap. Uh, So if you sign OG to an extension, you're basically taking him off the table as a trade asset Mm -hmm. if someone comes up. So I I think that's like the 15th consideration because... Mm -hmm. Oh, they want OG as a long-term part of the future. And if you're trying to get a Giannis or an Embiid or whoever, getting to play with OG is a part of that pitch. Uh, But if you are the type of person who likes to fire up the trade machine all year, uh, keep in mind that OG gets really tough to trade if he signs to an extension. Oh, Blake, that's the point that I disagree with you with on that one, man. I'd say if that's actually a bargaining chip, if, if one of those players actually hit the market and you're short of bargaining chips, Man, you might regret not doing that then. I mean, you know. But this is the thing is, is it's not it's not just a preference thing. It's the cap rules make it really hard to mm-hmm. trade a guy you just extended. Okay. So like, um, like may I, it's, this is tough to verbalize without showing an actual example, but basically, you know, to, to paint with a broad brush, uh, say, say the Raptors are in the luxury tax. Well, all they can take back is the salary they send out plus 25%. But in OG's case, he would then count us as a small amount for outgoing salary for the Raptors and a large amount for the team taking him on. So um, to find a framework that works is really tough to balance. And it's why, you know, if you think back to uh, 2016, I think it was the year, you know, I got a lot of questions about Terrence Ross and a pick for this or, or could they trade JV? You know, I think that was the first year we did the, could JV get traded for Marcus Gasol dance? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer to those questions at that time was no, because there was no way around this poison pill provision. So um, I think if you are thirsty to include OG as a trade chip, you don't extend him then uh, because then even though his salary is less, um, you know, it's a little easier for cap purposes. We're going way in the weeds here now with the poison pill provision, but it's something to keep in the back of your mind that, uh, an extended OG Ananobi is tougher to trade. So f- to conclude, uh, give me the most likely outcome and number. Yeah, the most likely outcome is both sides. You know, the Raptors come with a number and say, this is, you know, we value you. We want you around long-term. This is what we're willing to pay you for now. And OG's camp comes and says, you know, we appreciate it, but this is what we think OG's market's going to be by the time he's a restricted free agent next summer. Both sides are like, okay, we understand each other's point. Let's wait until restricted free agency, figure it out. And hopefully we can keep this relationship good enough that in 2021, we'll go chase a big free agent and then take care of OG and whatever his market is at that point, you know, we'll pay it. We're not, 
you know, obviously you can't like actually agree to these terms, but you try to manage that relationship so that nobody's feelings are hurt and you agree that, hey, we're going to try to get something done next summer. Uh, in terms of number, if there was a number that could get done now, you know, when Eric and I did that exercise, I had four years, 68 million as kind of my walkaway point for the Raptors where, hey, anything beyond that, it's just not worth the loss in flexibility in 2021. And I'd rather pay more next year than commit all that and lose my cap flexibility now. Um, for Eric Kareen, he represented Clutch's side and his walkaway number was four years and 72 million, I think. So, you know, 68 and 72 million, if we were actually negotiating this over the course of a couple months, we could probably get there working with incentives and contract structures and stuff like that. Um, but I think, you know, that's maybe 65 to 72 band is like where a deal possibly exists. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would bet on it going to restricted free agency. So could the Serb benefits cover the gap there? I don't think he's eligible. He'll be working, so. All right, Blake, thanks for uh, coming on and explaining that uh, complicated mess for us. And, no uh, problem. I, I think- Guaranteeing that OG is going to sign next year. Yeah, look, the big takeaway here is that OG is going to be around long-term unless something goes, unless a superstar becomes available in trade and a team is like, we're not doing this without OG or something with the relationship goes off the rails between now and then. And I don't, given the way the Raptors have operated and the way they've invested in OG, I don't think that's going to happen. I would think that OG, you know, whether before the start of the season or next off season in restricted free agency, you know, there's a four-year deal for OG somewhere. Man, and also the way uh, Masai traded DeMar DeRozan after like grooming him for all these years, any promises that he makes this summer to OG by next summer could just be vapor, right? Yeah, so I mean, look, his that's... camp has to be thinking that as well a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the DeMar stuff, it was tough. I mean, I think OG's camp would understand if you could get a Kawhi level player and a championship okay. out of it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's certainly, that's the tough part if you're on the Raptor side, right? Is like the relationship management with the player and the agent becomes a really important part of these negotiations. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know if it would go as friendly as the exercise Eric and I did or the exercise you and I are doing now. I don't know. I don't know OG's agent that well. All right. Yeah. Clutch Sports, I was checking their Instagram out. They got a lot of players now. All of them. They're, they're racking them up. All of them. So uh, I, I got to see if they're interested in getting into uh, sports writers as well. Uh, you know, I could uh, use some representation for my next contract negotiation, play Raptors Republic off the athletic and <laughs> see where we can get. When are you a free agent? I, I can't say that on record. Oh, what kind of what kind of CV are we operating under here? All right, Blake, thanks for uh, coming on. Explain that, man. Much appreciated. Yeah. Talk to you soon, man.